Welcome back to the nationally syndicated Price of Business show. I'm your host, Kevin Price, talking to you about you and your business. And certainly what's going on on the global front is all of our business, like it or not. <laughs> I would love of all the things that happen around the world that have an impact on me, but the world is getting smaller uh, every year. It's getting uh, more and more impactful uh, to everyone, no matter where it is. And so one of my favorite people to talk to about that retired General Jeffrey Schlozer, a longtime regular and friend of this show, as we are with him, and uh, he has a phenomenal background. And uh, uh, General, love having you on the program. Before we get into our topic, take a moment to tell us about your book, which I love your book. I've advocated that people should get the book. It's great regardless of what kind of role you're in, aspiring leader, uh, current leader, uh, regardless of what you are leading, is a phenomenal book and really helpful as well for, as providing great uh, geopolitical and geohistorical uh, context to some important things over the last uh, 25 plus years. Hey, Kevin, thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, the book that we're talking about is Marathon War, Leadership in Combat in Afghanistan, written about uh, me commanding 30,000 troops uh, during 2008 and 2009, a chaotic time in Afghanistan, and as we hit the second anniversary of a equally chaotic withdrawal from uh, Afghanistan, it's a great book to to take a look at. Whether you're a business person, whether you are in, in some sort of government, uh, or uh, you know just uh, staying at home, uh, it uh, it reflects on how do you lead through chaos. Thanks for allowing me to plug the book. Yeah, and your best website for people to get more information. Yeah, just go to uh, jeffschlosser.com, so J-E-F-F-S-C-H-L-O-E-S-S-E-R.com. And, uh, you know, I've got a blog site there as well, talk about some current uh, things, but uh, it tells you all about the book and in my background. Yeah, absolutely. People should check that out. All right, so lots going on. Well, you know, part of the problem uh, today, in a way, is how much um, news is available through so many different sources. You know, I was looking at some old video footage of CNN in 1980, and many, many people doubted uh, whether or not a 20, 20, you know, whether a 24/7 news channel would have enough material to work with. <laughs> and here we are now with how many 24/7 stations? Uh, you know, and, and uh, not only in, in pure, almost pure news, there's three or four in that space legitimate, and I use that, you know, kind of loosely, uh, substantial in terms of what's invested, many, many more that are so doubtful and almost propaganda machines, you know, and, and then you've got many in the business space. It's incredible. But in a way, it's almost like getting information from a fire hydrant because there is so much, and it comes out so fast. And so Niger, which is a country in Africa, has had incredible uh, turmoil going on there, uh, it is uh, one of the countries that's actually been a real stabilizing influence for Western countries, and it's got total pandemonium breaking out. And the coverage about what's going on there has been, I think, really weak, very uh, weak in, in terms of the implications of what's happening there. And, uh, and again, we're so distracted by many other stories that are going on. So with that, why don't you jump into this a little bit? Yeah, so Kevin, uh, you know, the Niger story is underreported, and yet it involves such juicy things as terrorism, you know, south of the Sahara that's killed literally thousands. It involves the Wagner Group, Russia, uh, you know, trying to supplement the, or supplant uh, U.S. interests and French interests in that area of the world. It involves uranium. 
uh, and it involves potential conflict between the rest of the states that are around Niger, uh, including Nigeria, you know, the largest and strongest state out there and the most wealthy. And so a lot of juicy topics here, again, not well reported, but they are they have national security impact in the United States as well as uh, within uh, uh, the broader context of economics. So people probably don't know that the Democratic uh, elected president, uh, President Bazoum of Niger, was overthrown uh, several days ago uh, by his own presidential guard, the uh, commanding general. Uh, where it is is that uh, Bazoum was thinking about replacing the general, and the general decided to replace the president. Um, and so there's a military junta in charge, and uh, uh, the United States has sent uh, senior diplomats over there. Uh, they have not been; uh, they've not had really very much in the way of uh, strong discussions yet. And uh, we have 1,100 troops stationed in Niger fighting the terrorists, along with uh, the, the Niger soldiers. And this places all that in question. And then, of course, the Wagner Group, who uh, moved in on Burkina Faso and Mali uh, and are also in Libya uh, during, you know, overthrows there, they are just, uh, you know, just ready to jump in and get Russia uh, back in that part of the world. And so it's a big question for what is the United States going to do? What is the broader world going to do? Even in the, you know, uh, within the African context, there's a, there are surrounding countries that are thinking of invading Niger to uh, bring back the uh, elected president. Yeah, yeah, and of course, if that's not done uh, carefully, that's going to look like Western imperialism. Absolutely, and they and they are absolutely against that. So most of these countries, you know, were former, uh, you know, French colonies or English speaking or England uh, English kind you know, from the UK. Uh, or Portuguese, and uh, they all, to almost all of them, you know, don't want much to do with the former colonial power. Um, they still speak that language, whether it's French, English, or Portuguese, but they don't want, say, for an example, in Niger, they don't want France to tell them how to run their country. And so, uh, you know, France has got to be very careful about how they approach this. The U.S., we're not a colonial country. In fact, uh, you know, we had our own over, we overthrew our own uh you know, uh, the UK back in the day. Um, but we do have national interest there. You know, one is, is to keep the Russians out of that area. Two, to secure the uranium deposits that are in Niger. It's one of the largest uh, uranium deposits in the world. And probably most importantly, to ensure that uh, the, the counterterrorism fight that's going on there, uh, again, literally thousands of people being killed uh, each year, that it just doesn't go by the wayside, and then uh, eventually Al-Qaeda and Islamic State and Boko Haram try to export that outside of that area of the world. Yeah, yeah. Well, these terrorist groups are trying to create a stable environment in those countries. Stable for them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a lot like, you know, a lot like Afghanistan with Al-Qaeda. Oh, yeah, you know, we're not really directly helping them, but on the other hand, we're doing nothing to stop them. That's exactly the yeah. kind of thing these terrorist groups want from these countries. And just let's just as you point out, Kevin, let's just go back and remember what happened when we took our eye off the ball during, you know, in a, an administration way back, uh, you know, and uh, what happened in, in Iraq and Syria. You know, we had left Iraq after invading it yeah, a couple times and uh, and we didn't have a presence in Syria. So Islamic State established a basically, you know, a state in that area of the world. And it took billions of dollars and thousands of U.S. troops and others to come back in and kick them out. And we still have troops in Syria now and in Iraq trying to make sure that the Islamic State does not come back in. So counterterrorism continues. We're way past 9-11, 
But we're going to have to continue this. It's not like we have to have these huge wars. We just have to have troops out there fighting and, uh, and helping our allies and friends uh, fight. And in this case, this puts this, this, this former ally or friend in question. Yeah, no question about it. Talk a little bit about uh, what a logical policy would be. You know, this administration has its hands full already with what's going on with Ukraine and Russia and, of course, China, more and more belligerent. They, they pretty much, you know, you should never tell people you're going to withdraw troops or you're going to attack a certain place in a certain time frame, but they, they've essentially done the latter, uh, China has, and, and we uh, – you know, they talk a good talk, but uh, I wonder what we can muster up. This is a very overextended uh, country militarily right now in many respects. Yeah, I think in this case, and again, again uh, you know, as you know, I'm, I'm a businessman. I, I'm not an advisor to any administration, clearly not this one. Um, but uh, what I would suggest that we do is is not make rash moves. We have 1,100 troops there. As you say, you know, we are, in so many cases, extended throughout the world. I'm not sure we're overextended, but, I mean, we're extended. Yeah, but this is a case where we should keep those troops there. We should not get all diplomatically upset, um, you know, that uh, they've decided to depose a president at this point. We should say that's against our democratic principles, and we, we certainly believe you ought to have an elected government. Um, but I would not leave our troops out of there and create a hole for Russia's Wagner group to come on in. And that would be a baseline policy. In other words, we're here because of our own national interest. They help you to, you know, to fight uh, terrorism. Uh, and by the way, we're not leaving so that Wagner moves in. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, that's viable. I don't know if this administration or any other administration would follow it, but time will tell. Yeah. And I kind of had, uh, was speaking almost figuratively, literally, although compared to the rest of the world, we're certainly, ever, any other country in the world with the exception of Russia and China would call our interest in involvements globally overextended, <laughs> except for those two yeah, countries. Exactly. You know, we are like Russia and China that way to the rest of the world, and that includes our allies. I, I perceive, that's how I perceive it. But we are well, I mean, overextended in material and financial commitments in a way well, not, no not only like all, any other country, uh, but even for us, historically, uh, with the exception for when we were directly involved in wars. Yeah, sometime what we'll have to talk about is just how, you know, there is actually a global, basically, competition ongoing uh, for positioning, which includes trying to secure our economic might and our national interest, and it involves ourselves, Russia, and probably, most importantly, China. Uh, yeah. There's not a place on the globe where we are not competing, and uh it's a, it's a subject for another uh, radio call sometime or a show, but uh, uh, it is amazing to know where China is operating and where you see these Russian mercenaries pop up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, uh, it, there's no question about it, and uh, doing nothing would be the worst possible uh, thing. These uh, tyrannical regimes, these uh, terrorist organizations, they love vacuums. They, you know, they'll fill those up in a second. And uh, and so we can't, you know, in other part of other countries around the world that may have a greater interest when you just look at it geographically, how much closer they are to the activity, they're really slow, not particularly deliberate. And if there's a hope that someone else will take over the problem, they're all over that. And unfortunately, that often falls on us. Americans are tired of that, but at the same time, uh, imagine the alternative. Yeah, I mean, and that's we have to be cognizant of you know we overthrew you know uh, 
uh, you know, what regime took over our country many years ago, many, you know, generations ago. We have to understand that some of most of these countries did the same thing and they ha- they have no desire to have the former colonial power come back in and tell them what to do they do have though i think relationships in the world clearly with the united states uh that i think that they don't want to throw away and uh, so it remains to be seen how this is going to play out in niger we need to be watching it closely because it does matter both for our national interests but also for our economic interests uh, and we didn't even talk about the uranium inside that country so yeah, uh, more to follow. Yeah, you. Yeah, I mean, you, know, you think that nuclear power? Of course, we'll almost always think of that militar, uh, militaristically. The whole world, France, is already very aggressive in uh, nuclear uh, power as a primary energy source. But more and more, the world is looking at that as we try to go green. And uh, you got uranium, not to mention nuclear missiles. Who wants to mention those? We're already terrified enough. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a lot of implications. Always love having you on the program. Thanks so much for being with us. Thanks for having me, Kevin. I'm Kevin Price. This is The Price of Business. Stay tuned for more after this.